The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonalls, or Success Publishing International. More willpower than a barefoot woman at a shoe sale. Able to stretch a single paycheck for an entire month. Makes money concepts easier than third grade math. Introducing your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonall. Work all day, stress all night. Take your mind off your money and focus on your life. Money don't matter for the stuff it bought. It's the way you think, not what you've got, yeah. Unlock Your Wealth Radio starts now. Welcome to the show, everyone. This segment of Unlock Your Wealth Radio is sponsored by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at unlockyourwealthradio.com forward slash free book and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for stopping by. We're so glad to have you. I'm Heather Wagonhalls, your purveyor of prosperity, and I am flanked by the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry. Hey, folks. And we will help you get your money mind right on today's show with the following great features. So first off, Miguel, what is this week's key? Uh, It is... um Oh boy, uh, no seasonal exceptions. There we go. No seasonal exceptions. It is. And uh, we also have a moolah word of the day. It's cash in our pocket. Um, but I'm going to tell you why it's a bad thing. So we're going to have a little extended moolah word of the day today. Okay. Because uh, this is an important thing that a lot of people don't know about. And I guess I need to preface this all by I'm not a CPA tax attorney. <laughs> or an IRS or enrolled agent, but I'm going to just give you my take on things, and then you need to go seek out a financial professional, like an accounting professional or a tax attorney to see what works for you in your individual situation, but it's a really great moolah word of the day, um, because it's a, it's a it means money in your pocket, yeah, but, so but I'm going to tell you why it's a bad thing. Cash in your pocket. And then, of course, uh, our topic for the day is going to be favorite. So, we did a couple weeks ago, we did uh, uh, mortgage application tips how to prepare for a mortgage application. And you can da- you can download the worksheet that gives you the mortgage uh, um, application checklist. So everything that you could ever possibly be asked for I, as a lender <laughs> that I would ask for, I've got every single document listed and how you need to prepare for that. Nice. And you can get that on our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com. But today we are going to talk about uh, rent to own. So sometimes it may may not be the best time to buy. And we're going to go when those times are, when it's not a good time to buy, when it's better to rent, and how to negotiate this. Uh, renting to own can be a great thing. And for me, it was uh, a saving grace doing a land contract. So we're going to go through the different types of ways to rent to own and uh, and ways to structure the transaction that'll benefit you right now in your immediate need for housing and in the near future when it's time to actually buy a property and to own the property that you're in. Um, so there's a few different ways to structure that. And I'm going to tell you what I think 
think is the best as a mortgage professional, as a real estate broker and a real estate professional uh, and a real estate educator. You know, so I'm going to tell you what I think is the best. uh, And then you can consult your personal board of advisors when it comes to real estate um, ownership and investment. Uh, And if you don't have one of those, you should assemble one. And we have a great document on how to do that, how to assemble your own real estate investment team. Uh, So we have that document available also on the website. So we have a jam-packed show. So we got lots of things to talk about today. Okay. So this week's key in our Keys to Riches financial philosophy is no seasonal exceptions. It's our eighth key in our Keys to Riches. For those of you who are not familiar with the Keys to Riches, the Keys to Riches is a financial philosophy that teaches you how to think like the rich and be in control of your own money. It also gives you specific techniques to create or fix your credit, eliminate debt, save and invest, building wealth while transforming your current financial habits into healthy money management skills. We do this one key at a time, one week at a time. And now we do it at keystoriches.com because our key is now its own radio show. But just to give you a flavor for what this key is, uh, since if you've been with us since the beginning of the season, then you have cruised through seven specific tasks in the way of creating financial freedom for you and your family and getting on track. And it would be a travesty of epic proportions to have worked so hard and done all that you've done so far and then to have it all crumble because of one event that you go overboard on. A birthday party. A birthday party, uh, a bar or bat mitzvah, graduation, some sort of commemoration of a special occasion or event, bar, bat mitzvahs, quinceañeras, you know, and it's not like we don't, no, to save less and spend more. It's not like we don't know that these things are going to come up. I mean, after all, a quinceañera is the the 15th birthday uh, of a Latin descended girl. So whether you're from Spain or Mexico or, or South America, um, the quinceañera is a very popular in the Latin cultures and it's a coming of age party. So if it's at 15, what does that mean? It means you got 15 years to get ready for it. Yeah. You got 14 years and 364 days. You have had advanced warning. You know, it's like, it doesn't just happen overnight. Um, it might feel that way, but you've had ample time to prepare for it. So again, using our biology-based approach to money management, you can find this week's key at keysriches.com or just tune in where you get the Unlock Your Wealth radio show. You'll also get the Keys to Riches radio show on Mondays or wherever your local dial has it. So sometimes uh, if it's on, on terrestrial radio, it may or may not be on Mondays. It'll be on whatever the lineup is. But if you get, you can get it at the website on Mondays for keystoriches.com. So this week's key can be found there for our card up philosophy and our biology-based approach to money management and being successful in in your financial endeavors. So, uh, moolah word as we go clipping through today's broadcast. Moolah word of the day is a phrase, two words, tax refund. Ooh, we like that moolah word. Well, we think we like that moolah word, but I'm going to tell you why it's a bad thing. Well, I, I'm going to burst your proverbial bubble. Well, see, I haven't gotten one in years. but <laughs> And that's a good thing. A lot of people like them. But it's really not a good not thing. A- and I'm going to explain to you why after I give you the definition. So the definition of a tax refund is a refund on taxes paid to an individual or household when the actual tax liability is less than the amount paid. 
So tax refunds are a return of excess amounts of income tax that a taxpayer has paid to the state or federal government for the past year. In the United States, most people receive income tax refunds during the year. Uh, These refunds can be issued in the form of personal checks, U.S. savings, bonds, or direct deposits to the taxpayer's bank account. Most refunds are issued within a few weeks of the date of the taxpayer initially filing their income tax. For immediate questions, you should always uh, consult the IRS website uh, because uh, uh, this has to go, you know, there's there's two sides to this coin about when to file. Now, ideally, the if you uh, feel like you're going to be audited, it's, it's less likely to be audited the later you filed. Uh, but because of all of this tax fraud and identity theft, as soon as you get those 1099s, except when your employer drags her feet... <laughs> Uh, but, but, you know, you want to file as soon as you can because somebody might file in your name and beat you to a refund. And that's why you need to hurry up and file nowadays. So let's start looking at why I'm looking at this differently. And remember, again, I am not a CPA or a tax attorney or a tax preparer and an enrolled agent of the IRS. I'm just me telling you what I think. So taxpayers tend to look on tax refunds as a bonus, right? It's like manna from heaven. And what do we know about manna from heaven and our biology-based approach to money management? There's a saying, easy come, easy go. Um, Unless, of course, you already had money and you were a lottery winner. (laughs) Uh, But then I guarantee you probably have already frivoled away the money because it's still bonus money. Um, So in reality, a tax refund represents an interest-free loan that a taxpayer makes to the government. Refunds are always pleasant, but the payment of the refund sum could have been avoided in the first place by filling out one's initial income tax form so that all one's deductions, which are essentially the credit for which the federal government is offering refunds, were properly accounted for. The best way to manage this is to attempt to reduce your withheld federal taxes instead of filing them manually with the rest of your income tax. So this is going to your HR director or your boss or whoever runs the company and making sure that you get the correct withholdings from the very beginning. It it is better to owe or break even than it is to get a refund. Because that's money that could be working hard somewhere else. If you think that that's a lot of money every year, just imagine how much further that would have went if you would have earned interest on it for a year. You know, so let's just let's just do some simple math. If you could have invested it and and gotten 10 percent on your money. Five thousand bucks, let's say. Okay, so now technically you'd be I'm going to give you a flat tax you know, because you're adding to it. So it's not going to be as much as I'm saying. Um, but let's just say, you know, for every, if you got 10%, a 10% return on that money, um, you'd be looking at, you know, upwards of four to $500. Yeah. So that's nothing to shake a stick at. I mean, ideally it's incrementally saved because it takes it out incrementally. Right. But if you did that same forced savings plan, if you will, and had it go directly into an investment, you know, likely you could have gotten, you know, at at least another 8% effective or more, depending on what, you know, I mean, let's just say you have a very conservative investment where you can make 
six to eight percent in a real steady, slow going blue chip fund. Which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're if you're refund, you know, just calculate it this way: for every hundred bucks, let's say you would get eight bucks. So that means for every thousand bucks, you're getting eighty bucks. So on five thousand, that's like four hundred bucks that you just could have had but didn't. But people just dismiss that. If you think about it, you've lost money because inflation at three to four percent. Oh yeah, you've lost money. You know, you've already lost money, and and you think about it. By the time you get it, sometimes they've had your money for upwards of fifteen or sixteen months. Yeah. Would you, like if some Joe Schmo down the street said, hey, can I borrow five grand for 15 months at 0% interest? You'd be like, go back and do some more drugs, buddy, because yeah. I'm not lending you that money. Yeah. But but we got to get out of this mindset. You know what I mean? But yeah. and, it, and it's a natural kind of thing to think about it. Oh, well, it forces me to save. Well, you know, it doesn't force you to save. It forces you to lend money at nothing. That's what it's forcing you to do. And let me just tell you, Uncle Sam is not out for your own best interest. He is not my favorite relative. Yeah, so they're like a very, very frustrating lot. The challenge that um, that, that you have is that if, if you don't want to see it, go to your HR director, up your allowances so you get that amount of money back in your weekly thing, and then put a forced savings program on your paycheck. You can have it go to your 401k. You can have it go to another investment. You can direct it anywhere. You know, we're in this electronic age. It takes like two seconds to fill out a piece of paper and put an account number down. So you can still create that same, quote, forced savings plan. But actually make some money and having something valid, you know, and and, it's, and every time you get it back in that refund, like, guess what? It's now top of mind as opposed to it going out forever from your paycheck and never seeing it yeah. once a year. You're not reminded of it, so you're not tempted to blow it. It just kind of goes off out of sight, out of mind. It's growing peacefully, quietly somewhere else, and you don't have to worry about it. But when you get that check... It gives it's top of mind. Now it gives you a new opportunity. Well, maybe I won't save the whole five thousand dollars. Well, let's go out to dinner tonight. Yes, you know we always wanted to go to San Francisco for the weekend. Yeah. Now we can really do it in style, and we'll just save whatever's left over, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so we never do that. You know, you know, and here's my simple tip. It's okay to like plan and blow things when you have little windfalls. But if you apply the same principles of saving first and spending what's left over, take whatever your monthly savings is, 10%, 20%, 30%, whatever you would save off of regular income, you need to save it off the top of any windfall. Because that, that's just, that's found money. So that's just another bump that's going to accelerate the amount of interest earned. Right. And you still get to spend the other 70% if you saved 30 of it. Yeah. Like, again, it's found money. So we need to appropriately deal with it and not be like, woohoo, and go nuts. Yeah. Vegas! <laughs> <laughs>
So that's just my two cents. You can do with that whatever you want, but consult your CPA tax attorney uh, or tax advisor before making anything, uh, making any other decisions. You are listening to Unlock Your Wealth Radio. This segment is sponsored by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown with their special offer for Unlock Your Wealth Radio listeners by visiting UnlockYourWealthRadio.com forward slash keep my ID and click on the link to start protecting your financial future right now. Remember to use promo code WAGS. So I promised you an exciting show today and we're going to talk about rent to own. So sometimes markets can be overinflated and you don't want to buy, but you still need a place to live. You and your family want to park it somewhere And you just don't want your rent going just, you know, nowhere. So maybe rent to own might be a viable option for you. Maybe you are recovering from a financial catastrophe. It could be loss of an income producing spouse and your credit went to crap. It could be a foreclosure, a bankruptcy, a divorce, loss of income, like all sorts of things could happen. And so now you really can't qualify for a mortgage or the mortgage you can qualify for is a crappy rate. Like you can only buy a fraction of what you could be buying if you had smoke and credit. So this is another opportunity to rent to own. And this would be another reason why you would want to rent to own. Because of the the latest financial crisis that we all experienced in the housing industry, there are a lot of properties out there that are owned free and clear by folks, by investors, who are looking to uh, create income for themselves. Um, Or they have very, very low mortgages, and uh, they can sell you their home. They'll carry back the financing. Um, These are options that that you can certainly pursue to help build your credit. But I think that renting to own is a better proposition. So there's different ways that you can buy a property without having to get a mortgage or qualify for a mortgage and all sorts of stuff like that. So let's talk about the different types, the different forms of ownership. So a land contract is one of those, and that's where you buy the property um, and ownership is transferred, but you still owe the seller. Okay, Um, you can do it where the the deed is not recorded. And, you know, I was having um, uh, some challenges where I didn't want to be found, but I didn't want to waste money not owning a home. So I did a land contract on a property once, you know, because that's publicly recorded information. And unless you're like some uber famous rock star or politician, you don't get all of that's public record, you know, property ownership. So you don't get to, you know, um, hide that information. So, uh, but I didn't want to be found. I wanted to move and I didn't want to be found. And so I moved and so I did a land contract. So I, I had a deed. It just wasn't recorded because I still owed money on the property. Um, so I did a land contract um, and that allowed me to control the piece of property. So because I had ownership, I could improve it. I could do what I wanted to it without having to ask permission from somebody else. So that was kind of a valuable thing for me. Plus the seller carried back the payment. So I just made what would have been a mortgage payment to the seller. 
So it worked out great. Uh, and then when I was able to liquidate other property, I was able to pay it off. So it's this super awesome deal. So, uh, so that works out well. Uh, sometimes, you know, like having a mortgage, um, like an existing mortgage, when you go to acquire another property, you know, that's where land contracts are also kind of popular. Um, not just for the, uh, the seller carryback financing aspect of it, but to have to avoid the whole mortgage process. Uh, you know, um, uh, at the time, you know, when I went to go apply for a mortgage, I had commissioned income. And even though I was in this similar field, I didn't have the full, like two years of income history, um, that, that I needed, um, with a steady paycheck, uh, to qualify. So when you're commissioned, they want three or four years of tax returns so they can, they can average the ups and downs because some years are better than others, especially as a real estate professional or a mortgage professional, you know, it's an up down thing. You're not salaried, you're commissioned. So it works totally different. Uh, and so underwriters like to be able to average the income, you know, because, you know, you could have had, you could have sold like, you know, a, a multi-million dollar properties one a month for for 12 months and then didn't sell another house for 18 yeah, right. and that happens you know if you're in the luxury home sales business you know you close two or three properties a year as a full-time agent yeah. because there's so much that goes in to marketing and selling in those properties just don't move at that price range you know you just have less buyers at the million plus mark um, so, so they like to average incomes, you know what I mean? So my average wouldn't have helped me. Like I, I you know what I mean? I, I didn't have enough years to average the income to get a fully underwritten best interest rate type of deal. And I didn't, you know, I, I didn't want to pay double digit interest rates. So I just did seller financing instead. So, so that works out. Now you can do rent to own. Uh, or a lease purchase contract uh, where the transactions are tied to one another, the lease and the purchase are tied to one another. Or there's another way to go, and there's a lease and an option way to go. And I liked this one best, uh, the lease option, because um, I wasn't obligated to buy the property, but I had right of first refusal. Now, lease purchase means you open two transactions at a time. You open a lease for a period of time, and then a portion of that lease payment can be credited toward the purchase of the home. And the purchase transaction is open. Escrow is open. So the transfer of the property, you know, technically... Um, is agreed to at the inception of the lease and purchase. So now you're leasing and you're buying. And so what happens if after two years, this property is a dud, you decided you don't like this side of town, you want to go somewhere else. Now you're still tied into this purchase transaction. So that's a bit of a challenge for folks. Um, are there trade magazines that, that exclusively carry uh, rentals to buy? Uh, how, do, how do you find these places? Well, just, you know, every website that does real estate, that has real estate property for sale, they also show properties for rent and it can be listed in there like as an option. So it's, it's, it would be a search terms so that you, so you would do lease option or lease purchase, stuff okay. like that. My favorite is always a lease option, especially if it's an owner occupied. If you're just trying to control a piece of property as an investor, you might do a lease option and that with a sublet clause where you could put your own tenants, create a surcharge because maybe you're having qualifying issues 
you know, maybe you've got too many, you know, like, uh, so, uh, Fannie and Freddie have specific guidelines on how many conventional home loans you can have for non-owner occupied, you know, so they have portfolio limits. So it could be five, it could be eight, it could be whatever, you know, it all depends on the underwriting standards of, of, of the moment. Um, and so maybe you're at that wall, maybe you're trying to sell a property, but you haven't been able to unload it yet, but now's a good time to get this other property. You want to control it. And so you can you can just option it while it's on the market. But then if they do find a buyer, then now it's going to accelerate and then you're going to be right of first refusal and you're going to have to buy. So you could control the property without owning it with an option. But a lease option kind of locks you in a little bit better. In, in my estimation. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and, but with the lease option, it locks you in, but it doesn't tie you down, if that makes sense. So you've got the lease and the lease is separate from the option. You don't want, you don't want them to be coinciding agreements where they reference each other, make them clean, separate transactions. So you lease the property for, I don't know, two years. Um, if you're trying to repair bad credit, two years is the 24 months. The most recent 24 months is what dials up your credit score. So if you never miss a payment for 24 months, that can proactively impact your score up to 35%. Even if you've had missed payments or crappy payment history in the past, the most recent two years is more weighted in the scoring models for credit scoring. So that's, and that's what an underwriter looks at. Have they gotten their act together for the last two years? It's okay that you made a mistake, but have you gotten your act together? And so you want to write a lease for at least two years or maybe three. Uh, This gives you a chance to feel out the area. If you're moving to a completely new neighborhood, new state, and you don't know the areas of town, you don't know where you're going to create your new haunts, you don't want to be stuck in a property and have to buy a property totally like a hundred miles from where you work or play, you know, so you want to be able to get out of it. So an option allows you to put a small down payment, you know, 1500, two grand. It all depends on the, pr- the price of the property. It's usually like 1%. Think of it like the cost of opening escrow. All right. Like if you opened escrow, like if you negotiated a contract, but, and you put up earnest money. So think of it, you know, it's going to be about that same price range. So if it's a $300,000 house, for example, you're going to be, your options going to be anywhere from 1500 to $3,000. And an option is money spent. So you'll kiss it goodbye. But if you do exercise the option, you include language. I always do this that that gets credited toward the buyer's down payment. Oh, so your your monthly rental can be applied to the- no. That's not what I said. The option money can be applied to your down payment. Remember, in a lease lease purchase, you do the rental income application. But in a lease option, like I said, keep them clean and separate transactions. Because then your legal rights and remedies get confused when you start having different documents reference each other. And that's not a clean transaction. So you take and you um, have your option that it's non-refundable. So if you choose or elect not to buy the property at the end of whatever the term is, then you match it to the term of the lease. So if it's a three-year lease, you do a three-year option. And so if it's not um, uh, in three years, if you don't 
uh, initiate a purchase and close the transaction. So exercise the option, open a, a purchase transaction and close it. It's non-refundable. Money goes goodbye-bye. But you can have it credited like earnest money when you do finally move to a contract. And that's like your earnest money or a credit toward a down payment. So it lowers your overall purchase price. But what that does is that gives you flexibility because now, you know, you, you, the option gives you the right to control the real estate, but then you can still negotiate the price. So what if the market declines Mm -hmm. between now and then that way you're not tied into paying $300,000 for a $250,000 house. Um, so, uh, uh, one of the things that I had done um, in my transaction is I actually negotiated the price. And because uh, I was being pessimistic about the marketplace, I negotiated the price at a 6%, you know, um, average return um, or appreciation. And what that did is I locked in my price on this house that I negotiated. I said, I'm not going to pay whatever he wanted. It was a ridiculous amount. And then I offered him and I said, this is appreciation. This is what I estimate appreciation in real estate, 6% a year here in the state of Arizona. And this is years ago, by the way, more than a decade ago. And, uh, and it was before it went, the market went crazy and he said, okay. And so we got our deal done at that price. And then the market went crazy. And so I exercised the option, closed it, and then sold it, and and I doubled my money because I had negotiated that up front. So it all depends on what direction you think the market's going, and your own real estate professional and area expert will be able to guide you in that direction. But this is just some food for thought and different styles or ways to get transactions done that are what we would you know call outside of the box, where you don't have a traditional mortgage. And these are things that you can think about when it comes time to buying a home for you and you might have the financial wherewithal, but you may not have the credit wherewithal or your opinion of what's going on in the marketplace, you know, whether it's overvalued, um, may not be there. And this could be a way to satisfy the ability to create a purchase transaction without having to fork over the cash today. Now, if you'd like more information and great resources and a tip on how to make comparisons as to which transaction would best suit your situation, just visit our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com and drop in the search bar to rent or option. And then you can find our rental option guide. And uh, that's how you create financial freedom using real estate or yet another tool in your toolbox to help you create financial freedom. Thanks so much for stopping by. For other great resources, please visit our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com. And for Unlock Your Wealth Radio and the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. Unlockyourwealthradio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2017 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com.